following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, what's going on, CLA Revival? Come on, Summer Revival. I know we are in COVID and we're shooting videos, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord has a word for you in this season. I just want to encourage you with just one thought before I get into my message. I know y'all don't know me and I don't know y'all, but we are family. I've been talking to Pastor Phil and and I'm just so honored uh, in this moment to be uh, here before you in this revival. Uh, And I want you to know, I just want to give honor to Pastor Rex uh, Johnson and his family and the sacrifice that they have, you know, just given in order for this church and this vision to take place. And Phil, thank you so much for the invite. I know y'all, I got a friend right here. Y'all know this guy right here. Pastor Wayne France is a good friend of your church. And then I got some other family from I-5 and some other churches in our city who is joining your revival and we didn't even pay. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing like a free word from God. But before I get in, I just feel this in my spirit. God says that he works everything together for his good. And I want to encourage you before I jump in, we can shout right here. If it ain't good yet, God is not done yet. Come on, somebody. If it ain't good yet, God is not done yet. Come on, somebody. The best is yet to come in your life. And I passed, my name is Jimmy Rollins and I pastored this amazing church here right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, uh, it's hot up here. We've been in COVID, but guess what? God is in control. And I'm believing I have a word for you and your church and uh, that would just help carry you through this season of uncertainty. Uh, And I want to start here in 2 Samuel. Come on, little Old Testament, 2 Samuel 5, verses 17 through 21. And it says this, it says this, and I love this. When the Philistines heard, when they caught wind of what God was doing, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, They mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David ain't tripped. It says, but David was told that they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Ephraim. So David asked of the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Verse 20. So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it. David gave a praise. Come on, somebody. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through or broke through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place Breakthrough. Oh, I love that right there. The Philistines had abandoned their idols, so David and his men confiscated them. Come on, CLA. I've got a message title for you, but I also have a subtitle. Here's the title. This is how I fight my battles. This is how, matter of fact, go ahead and tell a couple people on your couch. This is how I fight my battles. Subtitle. King me. Come on, somebody. Can I get a subtitle? King me. This is how I fight my battles. King me. Father, I pray that you do something amazing in everyone who listens to this message, everyone who is connected to this church. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Come on, somebody. Listen, guys, I love to preach, and I also love to joke and, and, and have fun with this guy. If y'all have ever been around Pastor Wayne, you know we're going to laugh. But, uh, uh, but I, I want to tell you this story uh, because, you know, I, I love being a father. And, I, and I've, got, I've got three amazing children. I have a 19-year-old daughter. Uh, I've, I've got an 18-year-old son. They're actually uh, helping with this recording. And I've got a 15-year-old daughter. She's somewhere asleep. Come on, somebody. Uh, but, but, uh, but let me tell you something. It was different. I got two girls and a boy. And I absolutely love my girls. You know, I, I teach them how to be dainty, you know, when they were younger and, and, and you know, and how to drip with some nice shoes and some, and some clothes. But I ain't going to lie to y'all. I love the first lesson of teaching my son how to fight. Come on, somebody. Like, 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 like there was nothing greater uh, than when you're a dad, like, you know, not like to start a fight, but how to defend himself, right? And I remember the first lesson. It was a hard lesson for him. You know, uh, and so I said, hey, hey, Jaden, grab a pillow. So he grabbed a pillow and, and I said, uh, uh, you know, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to teach you how to fight. So when you fight, you're going to have to be OK with taking some hits. Come on, somebody. So I said, grab the pillow and I begin to hit and punch on the pillow. And he was taking them. Uh, uh, uh. And he was like, oh, I don't, this is if this is fighting, I don't like this. Come on, somebody. So I said, no, no, no. That's only one lesson. So the second part of the lesson was now you know how to take some hits. Now I got to teach you how to do the matrix. Come on, somebody. I got to teach you how to dodge some shots, some, some, come on, somebody, some, some, some bucking and weaving. I got to teach you that when the enemy throws a punch, how to not get hit directly from it. How when the enemy comes in and raises like a flood, how, how you can, God will raise up a standard before you raise your hands. So, so, so the lesson was, part one was how to take a hit. Part two was, 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 was how to, you know, dodge some hits. But part three, he loved. I told him, put down the pillow, right? I said, now don't dodge. I said, put up your hands and try to take me out. And he absolutely loved this because this was free access for him to move from the defensive to the offensive. Can I encourage you, CLA, that for too long we have been on the defensive, taking blows from the enemy. The enemy has given your finance a blow. The enemy has given your mind a blow. And you've been taking blows. And then you've been spending your whole life bobbing and weaving, trying not to get hit. But I believe in this season of COVID craziness that it is time for the body of Christ to move from the defensive posture to an offensive posture because the Bible says that the, come on somebody, that the, 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 that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We got to learn how to take our joy back. We got to learn how to take our mind back. We got to learn how to go into the old school. The enemy's camp and I take back what he stole from me. Give me my virtue back. Give me my mind back. Give me my sleep back. Give me my joy back. Give me the next generation back. Our country needs unity back. We got to move from the defensive to the offensive. And we got to understand that it's all about our posture. I believe for too long we've been talking about the enemy. Talking about what he's doing. Talking about giving him too much press. I believe we got to start. You understand this about praise. Praise gives God the press. 
And you understand something about praise, and I don't even have this in my notes, but I feel this in my spirit. What praise is, is you sow celebration in a see-nothing season to reap victory in a season that hasn't come yet. So I have to sow celebration when all hell is breaking loose. I have to sow celebration when I have more month than I got money. I got to sow celebration when my mind is acting crazy. I got to sow celebration when my friends have betrayed me so that when I walk in a new season, I bump into my praise that I sowed last year. That is an offensive posture. The Bible, this passage of scripture, it blows my mind because it talks about King David. I love David. I love that David was a worshiper and a warrior. I love that. I love how he honed. Let me tell you, this is a warrior who knew how to play a harp. You would think that a warrior could play drums. But I love the fact that worship hasn't made him a punk. Because he understood that worship is not about lyrics, that worship is about lifestyle. And so he could have, come on somebody, a harp in one hand and a hammer in the other hand. Come on somebody. David, he was amazing. The scripture talks about his exploits. You have to understand that David was anointed as a kid, and now it is time for him to be coronated as a king. He has been faithful to his assignment. David has gone through the season of process. He has learned how to worship and war in the wilderness. He has learned how to follow the instructions of his father and come face to face with his purpose called Goliath. He has honed his skills as a marksman while protecting the flock. David knew how to worship in private and how to war in public. David refused to wear someone else's armor. Come on, somebody. That was rejected as king. He learned about the power of process. While having, come on somebody, in the middle of a fight, God calls a halftime and tells him to go to the Jordan to choose five stones. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know about you. If I, when I read that passage of scripture about David and Goliath, you will begin to see that it only took one stone to kill Goliath. Yeah. So why would David have to go through the process of choosing five stones if it was only going to take one stone? That tells me that God is a fan of the process because I start asking myself the question if he had to take five stones out of the Jordan and he didn't I don't know if he had a Louis Vuitton I don't know if he had a Toomey bag did it have compartments of which stone was going to kill Goliath because I put myself in the scripture was it the first stone out of the Jordan that was the first stone out of his bag that would be the stone that would kill Goliath was it the second stone out of the Jordan which would be the first stone out of his bag that would kill was it the third the fourth or the fifth stone I don't think it mattered because when you are in process it's not about the stone David did not throw a stone at Goliath David threw David at Goliath because he was processed he was processed David was processed and because he was processed it is now time for this kid who had been anointed king as a kid to be coronated king as a man. But guess what happened when David was anointed king? Guess what happened? The enemy had heard. 
I love that. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had it going on. When the Philistines heard that Marcus was back in church, when the Philistines heard that Erica, she didn't got herself together, when the Philistines heard that Pastor Wayne, come on somebody, has been upgraded or graduated, when the Philistines heard that you decided to walk in purity, when the enemy heard that you decided to stop, start tithing, when the enemy heard that you didn't got your finances right, when the enemy heard that you and your wife got your marriage back together, when the enemy heard that you haven't been faking on church, just because you haven't been in the four walls of a church. When he heard that you started being the church, they mobilized forces, which tells me if the enemy is messing with me, there must be a miracle on the inside of me. He heard. He heard. He heard about your purpose. He heard. Some of y'all, you've been crying thinking that God is doing something to you. God's not doing something to you. He has something for you. And the very fact that you're facing opposition is a very indication that God is moving your position. He heard. He heard that I'm still in church. He heard that I've been reading my word. He heard that I've been fasting and praying. So David, in his rookie season, the enemy's like, let's take him out now. Before he finds out about his anointing. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Let's take him out now before she gets her footing. Let's take him out now before she understands the power of intercession. Let's take him out now before she recognizes that she don't have to go to church to get hands laid on her. That she can lay her hands on herself. Let's take him out now. Let let me tell you something. Some of y'all need to jump on your feet right now and thank God. Come on, somebody. That the enemy didn't take you out before you know what you know. Right now, I don't need the four walls of a church. I will get on the floor, my hands and my knees, and intercede right in my bathroom. I said he heard. He heard. The Philistines heard that David and Israel were taking ground. The Philistines heard that David was out here slaying giants. The Philistines heard that David's influence was on a hundred and he was multiplying. He heard, come on somebody, that you still have your hope in 2020. I was even thinking about when LeBron went to the Lakers and everybody heard. Let me tell you something. Now, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but there's this guy named LeBron James, and he can play a little bit. And he was on another team, but decided to go to a team that didn't have many wins the previous season. And he decided to partner himself with a team that didn't have wins in a previous season. Now, the Lakers, pre-LeBron, nobody prepared for them. Nobody looked on the schedule and said, this is when we play the Lakers. Nobody strategized for the Lakers. Why did they strategize, didn't strategize in one season and strategize in another season? Because they understood that the Lakers had been upgraded. No fans came to watch the game when LeBron wasn't on the Lakers. Nobody came, but what they understood is because Come on, somebody. He had got, the Lakers got a new anointing. They better get busy strategizing. Can I encourage you that the opposition that you are facing right now is not an indication that God is mad about, mad at you? No. He is mad about you and have given you mad purpose, has given you mad anointing. So the, so the friction, the, the, the frustration, the opposition, the betrayal, the hate, it's not indication that 
that you're done, it's indication that things are just getting started. Aren't you glad that the enemy heard about you? He heard. So what do we do? How do we, how do we go through the season of warfare? How, how do we position ourselves? How, how do we stay in the fight when things are hard? How, what do we do when there's an, a new anointing for our lives? What do we do when God's about to upgrade you? How do we position ourselves when God has something new for us in a new season? I'm glad you asked. Number one, we got to look what David did at his rookie season. He pursued what was pursuing him. He pursued what was pursuing him. He didn't punk out. He pursued what was pursuing him. It says in 2 Samuel 5, 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they mobilized their forces to capture him. But David was told that they were coming. So he went into the stronghold. Uh Uh-oh, none of y'all didn't hear what I'm saying. He didn't run from it. He didn't pray the stronghold away. He went into the stronghold. Now, it's important for you to understand where this takes place. This is the battle or the valley of Rephraim. At the valley of Ephraim is also the cave of Adullam. The cave of Adullam is the same place that David ran from Absalom. So David, this place used to be a place of hiding. But now it's about to be a place of healing. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I'm saying. This place, I'm telling you, prior to this was a place that was supposed to break David's anointing. But now David's about to get a breakthrough anointing because he says, I'm not running from this diagnosis. I'm not running from this relationship. I'm not running from this unforgiveness. I'm going to pursue. In other words, I'm going to lean into the limit. I dare you to look at the valley and decide that you're going to get a victory in the valley because you're going to lean into the limit. Yeah, let's go. He pursued. I love this. It says that he went into the stronghold. Now we got to understand hmm, the spiritual significance of this. The Philistines were a warlike, aggressive, and militant people and a longtime opponent of, is- of, the, of the Israelites. In other words... They were a reoccurring opponent. Some of us have been dealing with some things that's been reoccurring. I'm talking about the things you said you'd never do again. I'm talking about the things that you tried to pray away in another season, and it's warlike. Oh, it really has no power, it just has the appearance of power. It says they were a long time. Opponent, what I love about God's word when you're digging it, that the word in the Old Testament can speak to us today. It says that, and I love when I did a study on the Philistines, they were an enemy of territory. So what their assignment was is to wear you out psychologically so you would not take new ground. Huh? What are you talking about psychologically? 
getting you to think about it and stay up all night worrying about it, not worshiping over it. I'm talking about psychological warfare. Psychological warfare says you're always going to be broke and you're, it's never going to work out. And, and this always happens to me. Psychological warfare will have you having a pity party for your pain. God, why am I going? It'll have you shooting all over yourself. I should have done this and I should have done that. It'll have you awfulizing and catastrophizing, saying everything is horrible and nothing is good and you're not fighting the an, an, uh, uh, an outside enemy you begin to fight an inside enemy because what you say is what you get so the Philistines they were this kind of enemy and when you're pursuing what has been pursuing you it is incumbent upon you to do some research of the kind of weapons they have so the Philistines, because it's psychological war, what they did was, is they got in control of the iron trade. And when you got your weapons from a certain group of people, ultimately it was made by the Philistines. So you had to go to them to sharpen your weapon. In other words... They would oppose you, but you'd be fighting with a dull sword. You ever felt like the worship that you that used to work in the last season ain't worshiping in the, ain't working this season? You, you ever felt like? Man, I used to spend 20 minutes praying, and now it's not working. What's going on? I feel like my weapon is dull. So why you have to overcome the Philistines is because you need to take back the sharpening tool and recognize that the enemy is not, come on somebody, that the enemy ain't going to take you out. He's going to sharpen you. I love the fact, come on, bring on the opposition. It's sharpening my praise. It's sharpening my worship. It's sharpening my strategy. It's sharpening my, come on, talk about me. You're sharpening me. Lie on me. You're sharpening me. Come on, enemy, betray me. You're sharpening me. Tell me you love me and then talk about me behind my back. I'm being sharpened. The Bible says that David went into the stronghold. I think it is important for you to understand what a stronghold is. It ain't real. Now, now Paul talks about the stronghold in 2 Corinthians when he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, if I have to go down to a stronghold, how do I pull something down that's in a low place? Uh, 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 no, no, no. He went down to the stronghold. How do I go down and pull something down when I'm already at my lowest place? Because a stronghold is not about what's under your feet. It's about what's in your head. Uh-huh. Strongholds, oh, they happen here. So I did a little research. And what Paul suggests is that strongholds are accusations and lies that the enemy plants in the minds of believers that are contrary to the character and nature of God. 
So a stronghold is a negative or false thought about yourself or a situation that if you think it, it'll get to your heart. If it gets to your heart, it'll get to your mouth. If it gets to your mouth, what you say is what you get. So although I'm in a valley, I still got to go to a high place to tear down the false thought or imagination of a, of a war or a weapon that's not natural, that is supernatural. Some of you, the enemy is not on the outside of you. It is the enemy with inside of me. So when you say I went to the enemy's camp to take back what he stole from me, you need to take a visit to your mental. You need to take a journey to what you've been thinking. Your thought life. Paul said, I went to the enemy's camp. I went to the stronghold. I went to the valley of Ephraim. I went to the cave of Adullam. And where I used to run from. Things I used to run from are now going to be things I run to. Things I used to run away from are going to be things I run towards. I ain't tripping. Right? So let me, let, let, me, let me help you with this. In 1 Samuel 17, 8, let's think about David and Goliath. It says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are all of you coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Taunt. Some of us are not dealing with an enemy who can fight with hands, but our mind taunting us of what we used to do, taunting us of what we're not, taunting us that the giant that is standing before us is bigger than the God, come on somebody, that resides on the inside of us. We have to stop allowing the enemy to taunt us and understand that the taunting is trying to get to your mental and keep you up at night and have you have anxiety and you can't sleep and now you want Lexapro and anxiety medicine and you tripping and you thinking everything is all jacked up. You need to go to the enemy's camp and take back that false thought that is against the nature and character of God. You see, before you were ever addicted to a drug, you were addicted to a thought that God somehow, you were some cast off on the assembly line in heaven and somehow you were born messed up and broken. That is contrary to the word of God. God said, I formed you before I knew you and I put a word in your mouth and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't declare God's word, your mind will receive a negative stronghold. And before you were ever addicted to drugs or alcohol or relationships, you start, you first were addicted to the thought that you weren't valuable. And we need to tear down the stronghold of your value because if you don't value you, nobody else will. The Bible says he went down. I was thinking about this. I love my kids. I was saying about my kids earlier. And I remember when they were younger. Me and Irene be upstairs, you know, having a little nice evening, you know what I'm saying, watching Lil Martin, you know, back in the day, Gina, Tommy Hearns, one was the best one ever when he came out all swole up. And you know, it's funny how the kids would be downstairs playing, but they was messing up our peace. 
We upstairs chilling. I got peace. I'm, a, I'm on a, a level above them. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a finished basement. Yeah. And then you hear some, like, banging, and you're wondering, you're hoping your LED TV is good. Right? Right? Because they can't afford to replace it. So you yell downstairs, hey, y'all, stop playing. Right? And then they, they, they chill for about, you, got, you know what I'm talking about, for about two minutes. Then they forget what you said. And you be like, hey, yo, hey, y'all really stop playing. Y'all messing with peace. And then they, they stop, and then you hear a little giggling. Then you hear a fight, yep. right? And then you hear something tumble over hard. Boom! And you're like, hey! And in my house, we say this. You got one more time. Yeah, now, one more time is really not do it one more time. What it really means is if I hear that again, I'm going to get off this couch, and then I say this. Don't make me. Come down there. Oh, my God. You see, I believe that over 2,000 years ago, from the sins of Adam with the prophets, God was saying, hey, y'all stop playing. Come on, somebody. And then with the priest, God was saying, hey, y'all stop playing. And then for 400 years, he was silent, saying, y'all stop playing. But in the book of Matthew, God enacted a plan. And Jesus got, come on, somebody, off the throne room of the couch at a level above and told the enemy, don't make me come down there. So God sent his son, Jesus, who got up off the couch of the throne of the glory of God and Jesus went down to the kingdom of hell and got the keys to the kingdom and brought them back to unlock your future, to unlock your destiny. So how in the world are you going to let an enemy in your house when he don't even have keys to his own house? I wish I could get a whole church that says I'm going to the enemy's camp to take back what he stole from me. First thing you got to do is pursue what's been pursuing you. The second thing you got to do is you got to stay in the place of prayer. Now, 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 David had some wins under his belt. Come on, somebody. He beat a lion, a tiger, and a bear. Oh, my. David beat insecurity and being chosen last. His brothers were at war, and he had to bring them a cheese sandwich. Isn't it amazing how God can even hook up a Postmates or DoorDash delivery guy? Isn't it amazing that you never know when you're going to get delivered to your purpose? Oh, I feel Jesus right here. But I start thinking about that, and with all of these wins under his belt, he still recognizes that he can't win unless he first warfares. Right. He can't win because it says this in 2 Samuel 5, 18 and 19. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephraim. Look at 19. So David asked of the Lord, should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David. I love the fact that even as a king, He hasn't left the sweet spot that he formulated when he was a kid. Oh, oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all know people that act brand new. Come on, somebody. It's like they seek God, and then as soon as they get blessed, you can't find the spot 
where they got blessed. Oh, you know, now they got a title and they don't have a place to call home. And the place they used to be in the church, now they're too big for the church that formulated the anointing that they're in. I'm talking about people who leave the sweet spot. I've decided in my life that if I find the sweet spot of the, of the channel and the conduit of where God is, no matter how much anointing, no matter how many stages, no matter how many requests to come speak, I'm going to stay in the sweet spot of God's presence. David asked of the Lord and the Lord replied, to David. David asked of the Lord and the Lord replied to David. Erica asked of the Lord and the Lord replied to Erica. Wayne asked of the Lord and the Lord replied to, to, to Wayne. Ashley asked of the Lord and the Lord replied what are you failing to ask that God is waiting to reply. I'm here. Marcus asked of the Lord and the Lord replied we got too many Christians the greatest tragedy is not the prayers that go unanswered but the prayers that go unanswered asked what have you stopped asking for just because it's been delayed delay is not denial keep asking keep praying keep believing keep worshiping keep praising I dare you to stay in the sweet spot of God's presence and guess what just because he hasn't responded doesn't mean he hasn't replied Sometimes God has to go ahead of us to work on something because we get ahead of God. So he goes ahead of David. And I love this, this cadence. We got to get into a cadence, a rhythm of prayer. My daughter's going to laugh, but on Monday I got to pray. On Tuesday, I got to pray. On Wednesday, I got to pray. And, and when he answers it on Thursday, you're going to find me right back in the spot I was in on Monday. Come on, somebody. Because just because I get a blessing doesn't mean I want to leave the spot of where he blessed me from. Come on, church. You got to stay in the place of prayer. What happens is... is Miles, once we get blessed, we get brand new. Camera operators, once we get blessed, we get brand new. You know what I'm saying? We don't say, look what the Lord has done. We start saying, look what my resume did. But you forgot you was broke, was in bankruptcy, had bad credit, was in foreclosure. And when you went to get the house, magically your credit score went up without you doing nothing. And now you got the house and you don't even invite the presence of God in it. By saying, God bless me for what you gave me. You see, I, I, can I just encourage you to never allow your ascension on earth to cut your connection in heaven. Never allow your ascension on earth to cut your connection with heaven. Don't get on the trophy stand and get brand new. You got to stay in the place of prayer. Let me say it this way. Just because you think you arrived don't mean you don't still need direction. Just because you think you arrived does not mean you don't need any new direction. I'm going to stay in the place of 
prayer. And number three, and then I'm out of your way. And we about to go all the way in. Remember, this is how I fight my battles. I'm going to pursue what's been pursuing me. Come on, somebody. I'm going to stay in the place of prayer. Are y'all ready for number three? Are y'all ready for number three? I'm going to start calling it breakthrough. Oh, my God. What you going to call it, Ashley? Lena, what you going to call it? Marcus, what you going to call it? Wayne, what you going to call it? Erica, what you going to call it? Stop calling it pain. Call it breakthrough. Watch this now. 2 Samuel 5.20. So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. Watch this now. The Lord did it, he exclaimed. He broke through my enemies like a raging flood. Now, after he broke through, he could have just ended the thing. But he goes on and says, so David named the place Breakthrough. Now, why is that important? Because if you read on into the next chapter, you will see that the enemy resurfaces himself again. In other words, the enemy that David just defeated somehow comes back. One, I have come to find out that a victory ain't a victory until I went over it multiple times. That's because we got this generation that think, you know, I, I didn't gone through a little something. I'm, I'm, I'm anointed now. No, 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 no. Your anointed is strengthened. Come on, somebody. When you can continually, come on, somebody, deal with something that has been annoying your generations for years. There has never been something that has opposed me that just opposed me in one season. But when I name it breakthrough, I don't have to give it attention to it. You already are defeated. I beat you last season, pornography. I came against you last season, foreclosure. And I already named it breakthrough. I'm not calling it diagnosis. I'm not calling it fear. I'm not calling it doubt. I'm not calling it discouragement. I'm not calling it betrayal. I'm calling it breakthrough. Can somebody call it breakthrough? Can somebody call your faith pain breakthrough? Can somebody call a hard day breakthrough? Can somebody call something that has been reoccurring in your life breakthrough? Breakthrough today. Breakthrough tomorrow. Breakthrough when I go to sleep. Breakthrough when I'm in a doctor's office. Breakthrough. Come on. You got to call it something different. Call it something different. Call it something different. He named it. I'm not calling it cancer. I'm calling it a breakthrough. I'm not calling this a struggle. I'm calling it breakthrough. You just gave it the wrong name. Because it's going to act whatever you call it. Stop, call, stop telling God what he already knows. We give the enemy too much press. Lord, I just need to come to you because I just need to let you know what's going on in my family. God's like, I already know what's going on in your family. Stop talking about the problem and start praising through the problem. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. He named it Breakthrough. He named it. When you name it, you'll remember it. When you remember it, when it confronts you again, you can say, look what the Lord has done. Not asking God, what is he going to do? 
God said, I already did it. And I just need you to start talking about it again. Now, I love the game checkers. I love, I, I love this. I, 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 you know, checkers has taught me how to fight. It really has. You see, I, I'm not a chess player. Chess got too much strategy. Checkers is chess for dummies. That's me. Come on, Seattle. Come on, Phil. Come on, Pastor Rex. Ain't nothing like a game of checkers. It's the opposition in me. That's it. I ain't got to have no strategy. There's one strategy. Get to the other side. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I, I don't care now. Now, when I play checkers, I used to think that, you know, going around. But I actually, I asked Siri. I did some research and I asked Siri. I said, Siri, what's the best strategy in checkers? She said, going through the middle. Mm-hmm. So then I opened up the dictionary and said the, the easiest way or the best strategy in checkers is going through the middle. So many of us are trying to go around the problem. So many of us are trying to go around the issue. And checkers tells me I have to go through the middle. What I, what I understand about checkers is I'm going to lose some pieces along the journey, but I just got to get one piece of me to the other side. I know you lost your joy, but you still got your peace. I know you lost your peace, but you still, come on, somebody, got your gentleness. I just got to get one piece of me to the other side. If it's just my worship, I got to get it to the other side. If it's just my children, I got to get it to the other side. Because you know what happens when I get to the other side. What the enemy took from me along the journey, he has to get back. And the time that I get to the other side, I said it took me hell and high water to get there. But now that I'm here, king me. Now that I'm here, give me a new authority. Now that I'm here, give me a new praise. Now what took me years, I can jump. I can hop. I can accelerate myself. Can I get about a thousand people at home to shout king me? Can I get a single woman to shout king me? Can I get a preacher to shout king me? King me. King me. Oh, how you moving like that? I got a new authority. Oh, you know what I love about the new authority? Here's how you get the new authority. What you lost now becomes legacy <laughs> what I love about a new authority come on somebody what he took from me now becomes my testimony what I love about a new authority come on somebody as my misery becomes a part of my ministry is somebody needs to get to the other side of a hard marriage king me somebody needs to get to the other side of a hard day king me this is how I fight my Battles. I'm going to pursue who's been pursuing me. I ain't running from it no more, man. I'm going to lean into this field. I'm going to cry. But these ain't going to be tears of defeat. These are going to be tears that says the enemy been messing with my family for too long. And I'm not taking it no more. King me. King me. He went to the stronghold, and the first thing he did is he pursued what's been pursuing him. And years ago, I was 16, and I was playing in a basketball game. And during this basketball game, I was talking trash. 
but I was in the wrong neighborhood. Got to be careful the neighborhood you talk trash in. We was talking trash, and we beat this team that had been beating us for years. And when I walked outside, I had outpunted my coverage. No, I was in the wrong neighborhood because you know when uncles and grandmamas show up to jump you, you in the wrong neighborhood. I shouldn't have been talking trash. And so, y'all, I was the biggest and I was the slowest. So when I walked outside of those doors, I became the fastest. Come on, somebody. I was the first one to run. They had bats. They had chains. They had rollers. Come on, somebody. They had slippers, and I was scared. So I just began. There's one thing to run. There's another thing to haul tail. I hauled tail. Come on, somebody. I was running so fast, and I'm telling you, this guy was chasing me with a bat, and all of a sudden, I heard the bat hit the ground. Oh, my Jesus. I'm running, and I'm so scared. Who throws a bat? <laughs> but when I heard the bat hit the floor, I said, oh, my goodness, a bat. And so what I did is I decided to lean down and pick up my testimony and pick up the bat. And I looked at the enemy and I turned the tables and I said, you've been pursuing me, but because you threw it at me, I'm going to pick it up. And my test is going to become a testimony. And I started pursuing what has been pursuing me. Pastor, how do you fight your battles with my stories of God coming in and what the enemy threw at me? I picked it up and I turned the tables. And let me tell you something. When you pick up your testimony, you put down shame. Can I just encourage you? That if you start talking about what God did, the enemy can't remind you of it anymore. He can't keep you up late at night anymore. It is time for you to pick up your testimony. CLA, this is how I fight my battles. Can I pray for you, Father? I pray for every single person who listens to this message. Father, that they would war with warfare. Father, that they would win with praise. Father, that they would stay in the sweet spot of your presence. Father, that they would call it breakthrough and they would walk in their new authority. God, do what only you can do. More of you and less of us. Father, we are going to stay right here. This is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> my daughter was in a little skirmish at school once. And I stole this from her, so I'm going to give her credit. And some girls was messing with her. And I don't know if they got it, but I got it. They wanted her to fight. And she said, I don't throw hands, I lay them. We got to change our posture from this to this. This is how I fight my battles. 
We got to worship. We got to intercede. Church, I love you. Phil, I love you. Rex, I love you. And I pray that through this COVID craziness, that you would keep fighting the good fight of faith. God bless you, CLA, and we'll see you.